and good morning, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenster, and happy Monday to all of you listening uh, and to uh, Matt Neely making the magic happen on the other side of the glass. Hope you all had a great weekend. It got toasty out there, and we're back in the saddle today for our Monday morning news hour. Matt, good morning, and welcome back. Good to be with you as always. Morning, Zach. Happy uh, Love a Tree Day, and it's it's also <laughs> it's also Pickle Day and Nickel Day. I don't know if those two are correlated or not, but uh, happy Monday to you. Uh, well, um, you know what, Matt, I, I can, I can, I'm, I'm, I can fall back in love with the Palo Verde tree. It has given me a heck of a lot of problems this season, um, but uh, I can love a tree today. Uh, my voice is back. Things are good. It's all beautiful again in the world and in uh, Tucson and Southern Arizona. So, I'm glad you and Matt- the, I'm glad you and the state tree are, are back in good stead with one another. <laughs> That's right. Uh, by the way, Matt and I don't plan this. I never know what day it is until Matt tells me what it is when I show up on the air. I mean, I know what day of the week it is, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know what we're celebrating until I until I jump on the air. But uh, it is our Monday morning news hour. I'm uh, back in love with the state tree of Arizona, and uh, let, let's let's get into. It. Uh, we're going to talk about, let's see today, i uh, got a special guest, I'll introduce him in a minute. I want to talk about the bottom of the hour, where's the love? Talk about some big wins for the region, uh, and le- left me asking uh, last week, where is the love? I want to talk about the Suns' historic loss and the Celtics' historic win on our Not A Sports Show show. Uh, city of Tucson, Pima County, two of the largest jurisdictions in the region are going through a budget process. We'll debrief so far uh, what I'm seeing and hearing there. Uh, But to kick us off here at the top of the hour, our Monday morning news hour is Frank Figluzzi. In his current role, he'll be with us as a respected national security analyst, uh, former assistant director for counterintelligence at the FBI. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, his view on the state of democracy and um, a, a big event, unfortunately, that took up a lot of time in the news this weekend um, that we uh, that we want to recognize as well. So let's get into it. Frank Figluzzi, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us and taking some time out of your day. Good morning, Zach. It's good. It's good to be with you. Um, I, I will wish you a happy Monday, but with, of course, the caveat that you've just referred to, which is that the weekend's been just a horrible uh, uh, mm-hmm. news weekend yeah. and uh not a lot to be happy about mm. this morning. No, Frank, and uh, uh, th- this is a topic that we obviously weren't planning to talk about when uh, I left studio on Friday. I shot you a text and said, see you on Monday. I didn't expect us to be talking about this. Uh, Frank, um, a white 18-year-old gunman, um, carried out a racist attack um, at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. Uh, NPR, actually, Frank, listed it as allegedly but as the local police departments have gotten into it, it's pretty clear this was a racist attack. Um, a, a young man with clearly white supremacist ideologies, I don't use those words lightly or flippantly, uh, targeted a black community in New York, Buffalo, New York, killing 10 people, injuring three others. Uh, almost all the victims were black. The suspect uh, live-streamed uh, the mass shooting as well. Uh, Frank, you've held senior FBI leadership positions in major American cities. 
you were appointed by the FBI's chief inspector, or appointed as the FBI's chief inspector uh, by Director Robert Mueller when he was overseeing the FBI to oversee in part shooting reviews. Uh, you've probably seen more of this stuff than you want to in your lifetime. What do you make of this weekend's event, Frank? And what does it say about the bigger picture in America right now? Yeah, well, we can dig into the, the micro details and then also talk about the macro picture, as you say, for, for the nation. Um, look, we, we have violent weekends now uh, regularly that it seemed to have become the norm, almost always involving firearms. But this weekend, of course, we have an, ele- an, an, an elevated concern and an added component because this clearly, this incident seems to have been fueled by hatred and racism and uh, conspiracy theory ideology and i've read portions of this shooter's so-called manifesto um i've read the police reports i've been on uh, television uh, over the weekend with the uh, nbc news networks uh, reporting on this and it's quite clear by this uh, shooter's own admission in his manifesto that he became radicalized largely online um, he cites a, a couple of prominent uh, dark spaces on the Internet and certain forums where he bought into and was exposed to something called white replacement theory, which is this notion that takes some data points that may be accurate, which is that the minority population in this country is rapidly increasing. And he, they take that, that theory takes that and turns it into this kind of evil mindset that says, hey, this is a strategy to replace white people, and that uh, if we, we want this to happen. We, we want it to happen because we'll, the country will be filled with liberal voters from here on uh, into eternity. And, and, and this kind of stuff doesn't just happen in dark places on the Internet. It happens on virtually any given night on certain cable news outlets. You, you can find this and get radicalized. And I can't help, Zach, but make a comparison to what I saw in my FBI days uh, with regard to very fast, rapid radicalization online, with regard to violent Islamic jihad and young men who feel a call to arms, so to speak, to join the cause and seek something bigger than themselves. Well, this 18-year-old young man, this is what happened to him. And as a result, we have 10 uh, dead bodies in, in Buffalo, New York, simply because they went to a supermarket in the wrong place, shopping while black, so to speak. Frank Fagluzzi is is with us, and uh, I want to go to break on this because I want to spend as much time as we can on the topic that you and I originally wanted to talk about. Um, you uh, say that democracy is under attack. I want to dig into that with you, but uh, just on my way out, Frank, I I I I, I use um, the phrases white supremacy, um, racism, and extremism. Uh, I try to only when the when those words actually mean what they what they mean. Um, I think those words are used very flippantly in this country, um, and I think this is an example, though, Frank, where all three of those words unfortunately apply, um, and I think we we have to realize that in this country. Uh, again, I think these these words are used, um, you know, in ways that that I think can. Um, uh, I'll just leave it there. But I think all three of those phrases were real here, and it's a really unfortunate weekend. And and it was one of what, Frank, three, I think three shootings this weekend, unfortunately. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Chicago has experienced violent crime. Then, of course, there was a church in Southern California 
um, that involved uh, that had a fatal uh, shooting following one of its services. Um, the key component to all of these seems to be access to firearms. Um, but of course, there's also this mental health component. We know, for example, in the Buffalo shooting, that this person in his senior year of high school, less than a year ago, when he was still a senior in high school, uh, was referred to, uh, by the New York State Police to a mental health uh, uh, institution because of violent threats he made regarding uh, the potential for shooting. So we've got a we've got a gun gun crisis, a mental health crisis. We've got a hate. Uh, and racism uh, problem that's really manifesting itself in a violent way. And um, th- these all really go into the, the, the situation our nation is facing moving forward. We're going to go our first break of the hour. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. It's our Monday morning news hour here uh, on the program. When we come back, part two of our conversation with Frank Figluzzi, again, uh, someone who's held senior FBI leadership positions in major American cities. Uh, Director Robert Mueller uh, appointed him as the FBI's chief inspector. Uh, and the resume is much longer, but uh, Frank is with us for one more segment. We'll, we'll be right back here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Trusted local news and talk all day, every day. 1030 The Voice. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. 
When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for The Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. back tucson and all of southern arizona good morning happy monday it's our monday morning news hour here on tipping point i'm your host zach yenser on am 1030 kvy the voice frank figluzzi is with us a national security analyst uh, on uh, nbc and msnbc uh, frank has held senior fbi leadership positions in major american cities uh, and is with us today, uh, Frank. You have uh, you have a growing reputation uh, of saying that democracy is under attack. What do you mean when you use that phrase? And then we'll we'll dig in a little bit. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, look, I spent 25 years uh, upholding an oath to the Constitution to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, and so I'm trained to act when I see a threat to the values that I think uh, embody democracy, things like three equal branches of government, free and fair elections, um, and, and the right to be free from violence, uh, the right for all people, regardless of their skin color or religious beliefs, to exist peacefully. So I see all of that under attack, and I see our institutions under attack and people may say, well, what's wrong with, you know, an occasional attack on one of our institutions? There's nothing wrong with healthy questioning, hard questions, skepticism with regard to our institutions, whether it's DOJ, the FBI, or even the Centers for Disease Control. We should hold them to high standards. But when we are attacking them, when we are, for example, with regard to the three equal branches of government, when people simply don't show up en masse, they decide as a strategy to not respond to subpoenas, um, by the uh, House committees, the, particularly the Select Committee on January 6th, um, when, a, when a former president has placed people in extremely high positions, like the Attorney General position of the United States, who view themselves as the president's attorney and not the people's attorney, then I fear that the values we hold so dearly here, the values that we saw undermined on January 6th with violent, again, <clears throat> nothing wrong with peaceful protest, right? But a violent attack with the aim of stopping the Electoral College ratification vote in Congress for a presidential election, that's a problem when we have people saying there wasn't anything wrong with that. It was just a peaceful protest. It wasn't just a peaceful protest. We have 800 individuals now arrested, some of them in terms of leadership of violent organizations arrested for seditious conspiracy. So that's what I say. I, I don't come at this, and it's, this is really important for me. I don't come at this from a political approach. I am, I am not a political animal. I never have been. Um, I view this as far bigger than politics. Politics is not the issue here. The future of our democratic values and principles is the issue for me. That's the lens through which I look at this. So I've been speaking out on, the, uh, on this topic and concerns and what to do about it um, at any forum that will have me. Now, Thursday night, in, in Tucson, this is a virtual event, so you could literally attend uh, from anywhere. The, uh, the Democrats of Greater Tucson are hosting me to have a discussion about this. 
Um, I'm not there because it's the Democrats of Greater Houston. I'm there because people should attend this if they simply care about the Constitution and about where America is headed. We're with Frank Figluzzi, and I want to just uh, uh, join in on that, Frank, is, you know, I've been asked... Uh, by, you know, uh, Democrats to promote Democratic events and Republicans to promote re- Republican events. This is not a, uh, uh, necessarily, a, 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 per se, a promotion of an event. Um, but you're in Tucson. I wanted to take the moment, uh, Frank, uh, and uh, and have you on the air. So I just want to be uh, want to be clear on that, clear and fair and equal <laughs> uh, on that to all the folks who in the past have asked me, asked me uh, about mentioning a, an event on 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 the program. Um, you, you, you talk about uh, political um, extremism quite a bit, Frank. Uh, I've seen this going back to Buffalo, but it relates to this uh, uh, to, to what you're talking about, Frank. I've seen this kind of language use. Uh, on multiple platforms. Uh, this was by Rolling Stone, but it was on Politico, it was on Washington Post. The Buffalo shooter isn't a lone wolf. Uh, he's a mainstream Republican. Uh, I'm getting concerned, uh, Frank, about language uh, from both sides that paints the other half of America as extremist. Uh, where do we draw the line on using the word as what it means versus political rhetoric? Um, and um, is one party or the other um, more damaging right now to American democracy in your mind? Yeah, really good, really good, tough, hard questions we should all be asking ourselves. Um, I, I like you. I'm very careful about use of the phrase uh, extremist or extremist ideology because you'll always hear me. And again, this goes right back to my law enforcement and intelligence days. You'll always hear me use uh, a qualifier in front of that phrase, which is violence. So uh, a few seconds ago, before the break, you heard me uh, refer this or make an analogy to violent Islamic jihad, right? Because Islamic jihad can mean different things to different reasonable people. But the same goes for uh, political ideology. If it's violent, that's when I get concerned. Uh, someone's extremist ideology is some other person's perfectly fine, reasonable ideology. We don't need ideology police in the United States, but we do have a violence problem. I, I, I think everyone would agree <clears throat> things have gotten very violent. And so with regard to looking at parties, um, you, have to, you have to believe people when they tell you who they are. So um, I'm not going to single out any particular party on this uh, radio cast. But I will say, when you look at certain members of the House and the Senate, and you look at what they've espoused recently... Um, with regard to this so-called white replacement theory that the Buffalo shooter clearly uh, adheres to in his manifesto, um, you have to admit that they are repeating this conspiracy theory that there's a strategy to replace white people, and that's, and, that, and that's evil, and that's bad. We, sh- we, we can't have this. We can't have the so-called browning of America. Those, those people are mainstreaming this ideology. Are they advocating for violence? No, I've not heard that. But this young man was able to take that conspiracy theory and twist it into a violent act. So let's believe people when they tell us who they are. Let's demand of our candidates for them to denounce and renounce violence with whatever party they come from. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's ask them um, who we elect to denounce what happened in Buffalo and, and denounce the ideology and conspiracy theory that there's some strategy out there to replace white people. 
What are some of the pressures on our American institutions, Frank, as a former uh, uh, high up and senior leadership in the FBI? What are some of the the pressures on our American institutions that are most concerning to you right now? Well, I mean, what we're what we're talking about here, this issue of of what is domestic terrorism and what is not, and how to deal with what happened up with regard to January sixth is a huge challenge for an agency like the FBI and its parent organization, the Department of Justice. Why do I say that? Because we cherish, and rightly so in this country, our freedom of speech. You want to, if you want to go uh, somewhere uh, at, at online and say that um, you believe uh, President Biden did not legitimately, legitimately win the election, um, you're free to do that. But the problem is the ability to catch this before it turns into a bombing, an assassination, an insurrection, a violent attack on the Capitol, that is a huge challenge for law enforcement. We don't want Big Brother spying on our communications. So similarly, this young man in uh, Buffalo over the weekend, he's in this forum on a group on a on a, a forum called 4chan, where basically anything goes. There's no there's virtually no rules and there's complete anonymity, right? So he's in there and it's filled with hatred and vile racist uh, comments, right? Is that free speech? Sure. But does free speech mean freedom from responsibility? That is a challenge for us and our institutions. Do you want undercover agents and informants in every chat room everywhere in America? I don't. But what? how do we solve the challenge of maintaining free speech but still insist that it's not freedom from responsibility? So, for example, Elon Musk seems poised maybe any day now, to purchase Twitter. It's on, it's off, but he's certainly talking about it. And what does he say to us in the last couple of weeks about what he'll do at Twitter? He says, if it's legal, I'll allow it. Okay, that sounds good on paper, but let's remember, everything in the manifesto of this shooter in Buffalo was legal to say. Vile, disgraceful, but legal. Is that something we should allow on social media, uh, you know, our institutions are going to have to handle it, and so will the, the leaders of social media platforms, unless they want to become a cesspool and a breeding ground for violence. We're with Frank Figluzzi uh, this morning for our Monday morning news hour. He spent his career in the FBI predicting and preparing for threats. Uh, now a national security analyst and commentator. Frank, thanks for making time for us this morning. Uh, best of luck. Enjoy Tucson while you're here. Uh, thanks for coming on with us, and uh, take care out there. Appreciate it. Anytime, Zach. Be, be safe. Frank Figluzzi, thank you so much. We're going to go to our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we'll talk about some local and state news. It's our Monday morning news hour talking about what we uh, what happened between when we left Friday and this morning. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Don't go anywhere. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. 
With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Billion in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. We just said goodbye to our top of the hour guest, uh, Frank Figluzzi, a uh, national security analyst and commentator. Uh, someone who's held senior FBI leadership positions in major American cities, uh, former assistant director for counterintelligence at the FBI. The list goes on. We're lucky to have him on the air. And um, what we were planned to talk about when we last chatted on Friday was not what we ended up talking about today. Certainly half of the interview was taken up talking about the tragic incident in Buffalo, New York um, this weekend. And I think... Um, as people, as Republicans, as Democrats, uh, as uh, people of uh, different colors and backgrounds and races and socioeconomic statuses, I think we have to join uh, and and say um, that this is not okay and that those who um, are, are propagating uh, extreme and racist uh, ideology, uh, we, must, uh, we must say no uh, and must say no more. Um, and... Uh, I, I said this to Frank. I'm going to move on because I got other things to talk about. I said this to Frank is um, I think we overuse um, almost to the point of incorrect and where it uh, loses meaning the words uh, extremism, uh, racism, uh, and white supremacy. Uh, I think we use those words too much and in a way um, where the, the, the actual meaning has been watered down. Uh, and where we can uh, sometimes uh, not feel like we can use and know what the word means to denounce it when it happens. Uh, and so I don't throw those words around lightly. Uh, I don't say them unless I actually believe that's what's happening. Um, and in this case, by the data, by the, by the police report, um, this young 18-year-old uh, man um, was, uh, um, was um, uh, convinced... Uh, uh, about a white supremacist ideology in dark spaces of the internet, went to a black community 
uh, to live stream what he did very intentionally. And I think we have to be clear uh, that that is not acceptable in America. We have to be clear about what it is, and we have to be clear that it is not okay. And we have to do that in this country. So I just, I'll just assure you one more time, I wouldn't use those words if I didn't believe that that was actually what it was, what it was happening. But we have to come together and say, not okay. We cannot make excuses for this moment. Uh, want to move on from that. But, uh, but Frank Figluzzi, good, good interview, and I appreciate that. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, and I'm pleased to say that they're doing quite well. Little Love Burger is serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15, 1-5% discount off your next order. Lots of stuff to talk about. Thankfully, lighter topics to talk about, but news topics all the same. Uh, let, let's, let, let, let's, let's do a bit of a palate cleanser, uh, Matt, if you will. Uh, what the heck happened last night? I think I watched the worst Game 7 that I have ever and will ever watch in my life. Uh, one of the greatest, as someone wrote, collapses in NBA history. By halftime, the Phoenix Suns trailed the Dallas Mavericks by 30 points. It's the record for any Game 7 in basketball history. It got worse from there. The Suns had as many points at halftime as Luka Doncic. What did I What did I watch? I don't know if you watched it, Matt, but it's as bad as you can imagine if you didn't. What happened? <laughs> so, it wasn't a... I'd like to call it a collapse, but if you think about it, the games that the Suns lost in that series, they lost by a bunch. There were no, there were right. no close games that they lost. Right? right when they when they were off, they're off. So the fact of the matter is, they're down. They were down by forty six points at one point in the game. Um, I put it in the news story that the thirty three point margin at the end of the game on the final score was not nearly indicative of of how how close the game was because it was much worse than that. Right? It was. Um, so they were just flat. They weren't ready, and uh, Dallas was. And it was a road game for Dallas, so right. there's no excuse. Well, I mean, for well, the well, Suns well, on their home court uh, laying that egg. Wasn't that, I'm not sure about this, maybe you remember, wasn't that the first road game that either team had won in that series? I believe you're correct, yes. I think so. I don't have that in my notes, but I think so. I mean, this game had, I think, five minutes to go and under two hours. The game started at six. By 6.55, the thing was almost over, and that included halftime. I mean, it was just right. the weirdest, weirdest game I've ever watched uh, in my life. And, I mean, there's just there's just no excuses for it. Um, Chris Paul, I'm not not a fan. I'm not, like, the biggest fan. I'm, I'm neutral on Chris Paul. I like him. Don't have any reason not to as, a, as an athlete, as a sports fan. Um, but, but Chris Paul has... Um, lost five playoff series in his lifetime with multiple teams after having a 2-0 advantage. Right. Go back He's to the finals up. last year, Zach. It, oh. uh, they were they were 2-0 on right. the Bucks, right. and uh, things looked good for the Suns finally getting their first right. championship. Right. And then the Suns could not win one game on the road, not one. No. Well, you know, and I think it's frustrating for a Suns fan. Um, because I think it was clear through the first 80, 90 games, including the playoffs, 
Right, well, let's, let's, be, let's, be, let's be a little less generous. The, the 80 games of the regular season, the playoffs, I don't know what happened to that Suns team. I, I, it was not the Suns team I watched during the season. But during the season, right, these guys came out and said, man, you know, look, we had a great you know, playoff when we were in the bubble. We built off of that uh, when things got back to normal. We made a great run to the playoffs. But we're a young team. We're coming together. We're storming and forming. Uh, they came back with the focus. Every game matters, taking every game personal. Uh, we're going to be back in the championship. And I think for 80 games, the average fan watching went, yeah, I buy that. Um, this team is locked in. They're zoned in. They know what they have to do. They're taking this stuff seriously. And then the playoffs hit, and it was just a completely different team. So not a sports show show. Lots of other great sports content you can listen to in the region. Uh, we're not usually one of them, but this was a historic loss. We save our sports moments on the show um, for, uh, indeed, big moments, and it was just hard to be an Arizona fan. Completely different, Matt. You ready for this piece of sports trivia on, on the Eastern Conference right. side? I couldn't believe this. The Celtics, um, who beat the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday in their Game 7, the Celtics, Matt, will play in their 37th Eastern Conference Finals, which is half the Eastern Conference Finals of all time. Isn't that crazy? Amazing. Amazing. I'm not a Celtics fan, but, but, but uh, they have played in half of the Eastern Conference Finals that have ever been played now. That's, that's amazing to me. <laughs> Well, that's the tough thing about the Suns. I mean, they only make it to the finals once every thirty years or so. So you don't like you don't like it when they right. squander a chance, right? Right, right. I'll be close to collecting Social Security if it exists See? the next time this happens. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! But on a on a serious note, and I really do want to move on, Matt. I get stuck on these sports segments, and we're not a sports show show. Keep um, saying that. But 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 there's some people who are saying, is this the last time we saw DeAndre Ayton? Um, in a Suns uniform. And what about Chris Paul? I mean, the dynamic of this team, I think Devin Booker is there for the long haul, at least the next few years. But the core of this team may not be here next season. And, and that's interesting to me. Um, what's going to happen? So, Oh, the other thing, Matt, um, is... And I... And I, and I I, uh, I, I'm not mad about DeAndre Ayton being a Phoenix Sun, but we had our shot at Doncic, too, right? This, whenever we get blown out by a team uh, like that yesterday, you know, you can always go back into hindsight and you think, well, what would have happened if Doncic was a Sun? So that's an interesting, you know, write your own story kind of thing. But uh, I didn't know that that was a possibility somewhere back there. Yeah. Yep. yep. How many yep. seasons yep. ago was that? <sighs> Three, four, five, okay. maybe at the most. Right. They, so he and Aiton were drafted in the same in the same year, and Aiton's been around what four or five years? I think so. I think this yeah. might have been his senior year at uh, school. Eddie stayed, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, because he was injured for the first year or two, and then coming into the year where they were in the bubbles, I think where it all started to kind of gel together. But um, yeah, and Doncic is what twenty two, twenty three. I mean, he's. He's going to be around for a while, um, but the historic loss. Uh, let's go to break. When we come back, I want to ask, where is the love? Not the little love burger. That's downtown Tucson, a few doors down from the Rialto Theater. Where is the love? Um, there was some big news. National media covered it in the region. The governor gave us a shout-out, uh, which, love the guy, but he really does. Uh, where is the love locally? 
about one of the biggest stories um, hitting Tucson. I want to talk about that. Also, we'll talk some city and county budgets as we can get to it. It's your Monday morning news hour here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Genser. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't go anywhere. Source for trusted local news and talk. 1030, The Voice. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open-air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. This is Bill Buckmaster. Join us for the Buckmaster Show at noon on 1030, Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And 
we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. I'm your host, Zach Yancey. You're listening to Tipping Point. We're live out of the Common Workspace studios this morning here on AM 1030 KVY, The Voice. Uh, Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee that we drink at home and while we're out and out, out and about in the Yenser House, run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community. They've got a great variety of coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. Rumor no more, ice cream is on its way in 2022. Visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. This segment is sponsored in part by our friends at Decibel Coffee Works. It's our Monday morning news hour here on the program. You can check out anything you missed this hour on our podcast. Go to kvy.com forward slash podcasts. Uh, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, and find um, us there. So I wanted to make mention of this because I, I made a big deal about it on my social media uh, last week. and I didn't get to talk about it um, on the air. I'm calling this uh, part of this segment, Where is the Love? And I wanted to clarify this uh, on the airwaves uh, because a couple of people, rightly so, um, asked for some clarification. The clarification um, is important. I posted this on my social media last week. I said the lack of energy in telling our best stories in Tucson is really bugging me. In the last seven to 10 days, uh, and I put this, Worldview hit 1,000 reservations for space tours. NASA calls the University of Arizona a crown jewel, quote unquote. University of Arizona researchers reveal black hole in our galaxy, prompting national media coverage and a shout out by the governor of Arizona. Where is the local love hyping this up? And I won't spend too much time on this, but those are newsworthy items. Uh, here's what I meant, and here's what I didn't mean um, by that. Because some people said, well, this news outlet covered this, and this news outlet covered that. Uh, and yes, to be clear, uh, it's less about the news covering it, although that's a piece of it. right? There was a, a big story around the new space industry in Tucson a few months back. It took, I think, one of the local papers... 48 hours to put something in the paper about it and you know that to me is like a clear example of you know hey if the na- if if national legacy news is going to cover it uh if the governor's going to cover it, you got to cover it the same day by and large within 24 to 36 hours that i saw most media outlets in tucson had made mention of especially the black hole uh, discovery in the Milky Way galaxy that was led uh, by University of Arizona researchers. I don't necessarily mean uh, this time. I don't mean when I say local love hyping this up. I don't mean news coverage. There was news coverage. Uh, what I'm talking about um, is public sector and private sector leaders uh, carrying the flag on this and championing, branding, uh, considering this as a win. It was pretty much crickets from our broad set of public and private sector leadership. And that's what I mean by where is the local love hyping this up. I posted this on Friday on my Twitter, at Zach Yenser, by the way, if you want to give that a follow. I said, I think you can make the case that the best cities... The communities where people want to come and stay have a story and a brand. People know what it is 
and tell it well. And there is agreement together that the arc of this story must inevitably curve toward the future. Right? If you think about... Uh, if you think about any city right now, any large metro community that is growing, that is thriving, that is succeeding, that you've ever thought to yourself, I wonder what it would be like to live there, right? And there's some cities where you've never said that, or maybe you used to say that and say it no more, right? I think San Francisco, not to pick on California because that's not my intent, San Francisco um, used to be a golden city in a golden state. It used to be a place of opportunity. And, and now there have been policy decisions that have been put in place that have made it uh, uh, less affordable with less opportunity and less quality of life. And there's, I'm sure, other cities that are like that. I'm not picking on San Francisco to pick on San Francisco. But as an example of a community that a lot of people wanted to go to not that long ago in this country, uh, and even now in Arizona, we're seeing a lot of people say, I don't want to live there anymore. I'm moving to somewhere in Arizona. But I put this on, I put this on my Twitter because I think you can tell the success and health of a community when the community knows its story together, when they sing off the same song sheet, and the arc of that story bends toward the future. New York City, one of the most historic places in this country, uh, almost only talks about its f future. Have you ever heard someone from New York City talk about its past for more than five minutes? I'm on shaky ground now because this is all anecdotal. But think about a city that if you had a chance to move to today, you would, that in your mind is thriving and successful, and compare how much that city spends talking about its past versus about its future. Now, our past should inform our future. That is not to say we forget the past or ignore the present. Those inform the future. But think about those places and the amount of time spent thinking about what comes next. Successful cities are future forward. They are always thinking about what comes, what comes next. And I think there's a lot in, in Tucson's past that we haven't either reconciled as a community or that we want to live in the past about. There is a picture of Tucson that many people have that they are unwilling to spend more time thinking about the future than what was. And or we have past situations that we haven't reconciled yet in this community. I think about the Tucson Convention Center. I think about urban renewal. We haven't fully reconciled that in this community. If you're listening from Tucson, I think part of the reason why we have such a hard time thinking about our future in Tucson is because there's so much about our past that we haven't reconciled. And somebody should lead that effort. But I start to think about Tucson as a city. We don't even know our story and our future and our potential well enough to where we have massive national level wins over a seven to 10 day period and it's crickets on the local front. Where is the love? 
right? Now, I mean, now space may not be your thing, right? I'd love for it to be your thing. Y'all know that. It's my soapbox. There's a lot of great things that Tucson is good at. I think this is the one big thing that has the biggest potential for us, that we already have many seeds planted in the ground. But we don't know our story. And I think Tucson is so focused on selling to someone else how to spend 36 hours in Tucson, then sell to ourselves how to spend three to six years or more. We're so focused on selling our place to somebody else for 36 hours that we don't even know the story about what's possible over the next three to six years. And I think that's a shame. So these, these were all the feels that uh, got stirred up last week. I felt like I was just banging a drum that nobody else was hearing. Uh, now, again, if you're listening from a news network, everybody kind of got around to it. I don't mean just reporting. I mean storytelling. Right? I, know, I, I can feel the eyes rolling right now, and that's okay. Storytelling is so important. We've got a lot of time this week. We've got some great guests coming up. We'll talk about uh, tomorrow the city council is going to, in Tucson, look at the city budget, and Pima County has continued to look at their budget. We've got time uh, later this week uh, to talk about that. Coming up on the show later this week, uh, Carol Stewart tomorrow, speaking of someone who's focused on the future from Tech Parks, Arizona. We'll get an update about the technology and entrepreneurship growing in the region. Uh, we'll talk with 1055 uh, Brewing Company and United Way. We'll talk about some big things coming up uh, from them in the community. Uh, gubernatorial candidate on the Republican side, uh, Matt Salmon, is going to be with us on Thursday. Uh, Crystal Popov is going to come on and talk about a new kind of incubator space for retail companies in downtown Tucson. I'm excited about that. My point being, not to just plug those, but we're going to have plenty of time uh, to talk about uh, local issues, regional issues um, as well. And the question I'm going to ask uh, when we get to it, certainly about the city of Tucson budget, the word strength has been used uh, about it. The word has been, uh, the phraseology has been, uh, the, the city's financial position is, is the strongest it has been in recent history. And local municipalities are seeing strong budgets. Is that just this year? Uh, or have our city budgets all the, the sudden gotten stronger and more poised to make long-term investments uh, over the next number of years? I'll give you uh, my take on that as we get going through the rest of the week. Uh, shoot me an email, zyenser at gmail.com. First initial, full last name at gmail.com. Let's continue the conversation. That's it for us now here. This has been our Monday morning news hour on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. Um, and to Matt Neely and all of our listeners, happy Love a Tree Day. I'm falling back in love with the Palo Verde tree. It's treated me wrong this season, uh, but state tree, I still love you. Love a Tree Day. Matt Neely, great as always to be with you. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one, Zach. Thanks, Matt. Tucson, take care out there. We'll see you on Tuesday.